Go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3, that's where we're going to be in God's Word today. And uh, we are celebrating. We are celebrating today Jesus Christ. I love the Bible. I love reading the Bible for myself. I love studying the Bible uh, to preach sermons this week. Uh, I was at lunch and I had a conversation with someone. and, And this is what one of my friends said to me. He said, I guess... Uh, this coming Sunday is your Super Bowl Sunday. That's what he said. He, he said, you're probably going to have more people uh, in the pews and at your church this weekend than, than any other time of the year. And, and, and you know what I told him? I said, I'm going to be honest with you. I get to preach from the Word of God every Sunday, and I get to preach Jesus Christ every Sunday. So in my personal opinion, every Sunday is a Super Bowl Sunday. Every Sunday is a Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, I'll be honest with you, I thank God for a big crowd. I thank God for the pews being filled. But if it was five of you, I would preach the same word and the same message. If it's 500, I'll preach the same word and the same message. If it's 5,000, I'll preach the same word and the same message. And it's Jesus. It's Jesus. Doesn't matter how loud I get or how soft I get. Doesn't matter how many lights are pointed on me or not. I'm going to point you to Jesus. And I get to do that every Sunday. You know, praise God, I get to do that every Sunday. I get to tell people about the one who loved them so much that he died on a cross for them. I get to tell people every Sunday. I get to tell people all the time about the Lord who is alive. Not the Lord who is dead, but the Lord who is alive. The Lord who lives in me and can live in you. Listen, Jesus, when he was teaching his disciples... He told them who he was, and he told them about his death, and he told them about his resurrection. He tried to prepare them for that moment when it would happen. Jesus said this in John chapter 11, verse 25. Jesus said, I am the resurrection, the life. He who believes in me will have life even if he dies. That's what Jesus told his disciples months before the resurrection actually happened. And today in Scripture, we're going to see what the resurrected Lord continued, right? Continued to do through his apostles and what I believe the resurrected Lord continues to do today in his children. Today we celebrate Easter. And so I believe Three of the most important words in the Bible. Three of the most important words in the Bible come from Luke chapter 24, verses 6 and 7. You don't have to turn there. Here they are. Three words. He has risen. Those, in my opinion, are three of the most important words that have ever been spoken in our world and in our existence. Two men in gleaming clothes told the women who came to the tomb that day, He is not here. He has risen. Remember now what He told you while He was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. I'm going to tell you the resurrection is the absolute most important thing that has ever happened in our world. 
I believe that. Paul David Tripp, one of my favorite pastors, one of my favorite writers, talks about the importance of the resurrection in the lives of Christ followers. Listen to what he says. He says, if there is no resurrection, then there is no new life. If there is no resurrection, then there is no eternity. If there is no resurrection, then there is no hope and faith is useless. That's what he says about the resurrection. He also goes on to say this in his book. He says, the empty tomb tells us as Christ followers that we don't hope for victories won. Rather, we live out of victories already won on our behalf by Jesus Christ our living hope. I'm going to tell you, that's powerful. And what I believe we see today in Acts chapter 3 is we see Peter, right? Not looking for victory, but claiming victory that has already been won in Jesus Christ. That's what we're going to see in Acts chapter 3. Now, you might say, Brother Jeff, you know, this is Easter Sunday, and shouldn't we be talking about the resurrection? Well, I'm going to tell you something. When I talk about Jesus, I'm talking about the resurrection. And it don't matter what passage you turn to. Because what did Jesus say in John chapter 11? He said, I am what? The resurrection. So when I proclaim Jesus, I'm proclaiming resurrection. And I believe that's what Peter does in Acts chapter 3. As a matter of fact, Peter and the apostles, that's all they do. In the book of Acts, every sermon they preach, every time they speak, every healing that takes place in the book of Acts, it is all because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So the entire book of Acts is about the resurrected Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I believe that. Throughout the book of Acts, the apostles repeatedly preach and teach Jesus Christ who is alive. And that is why Jesus told them, everywhere you go, you will be my witnesses. That's what Jesus said. When you go into Jerusalem, you will be my witnesses. When you go into Judea, you'll be my witnesses. And when you go into Samaria, you will be my witnesses. When you go to the ends of the world, you will be my witnesses. Witnesses of what? Witnesses of Jesus' perfect life, Jesus' sacrificial death, and Jesus' glorious, victorious resurrection. So let's see what happens. Let's see what happens in the life of Peter as he preaches and teaches Jesus. As he walks, watch what the resurrected Jesus does in Peter and through Peter. Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10 says this. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer At three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. Let me tell you why he was carried to the gate, right? He was lame. He was crippled. And so out those people looked at him and said he can't come into the temple because he is unclean. Right? Something's wrong with him, and so he can't come into the temple. So what they do is they put him at the gate, right? They put him at the gate where people were coming into the temple. So I want you to understand why he's not in the temple courts. He's right outside of the temple courts. He's at the gate called Beautiful. And so look what happens in verse 3. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for what? Money, right? He asked them for money. He asked them for something that he could use right here, right now, 
to better himself, to help himself. He asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And then Peter said, look at us. In other words, Peter didn't care about nobody else around him at that moment. He was talking to this man, and he wanted this man to pay close attention to him and to what he was saying. Look at us, Peter said. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. And look at this. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them, where? Into the temple courts. (laughs) He went somewhere he ain't been before, right? He went into the temple courts walking and jumping. And look at what he was doing, praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Let me tell you, I love this passage. This was the first public healing miracle in the book of Acts. Okay? This was the first public healing miracle in the book of Acts. The first one since Jesus ascended into the heavens. And so let me tell you what this, what this is. This miracle is performed in the name of who? The name of Jesus, the resurrected Savior. This was not about earthly powers. This was not about what Peter could do for the man or John could do for the man or any other person could do for the man. This was not about possessions, right? This was not about money. I'm going to tell you what this was. This was about spiritual power that only God could give and only God could give supernaturally through the living Lord. Through the name of Jesus Christ, the resurrected Savior. The beggar was looking for a temporary fix. That's what he was looking for. He, he just wanted enough so that he could go get him something to eat and get, get home and rest and then get his friends to get him right back there the next day and do it all over again, right? That's what it was about. It was about a temporary fix. And he was living temporarily day by day, right? Day by day. But I'm going to tell you, Peter said, I'm not here to give you silver, and I'm not here to give you gold because I don't have it. But I got something. I got someone, right? I love this because Peter said, uh, what I'm going to give you is not maybe what you want, but it's absolutely what you need. Absolutely what you need. And so Peter and John were prepared to give him Jesus. And don't you love this? Listen. It'd be easy to look at this and say, oh, the miracle was just for that man. Well, I'll say this. In that instant, the miracle was just for that man. Oh, but that miracle, right? It's a miracle of God. And a miracle of God doesn't just touch one. It touches many. And so this miracle, yes, it leads to healing for the man, but more importantly, it leads to praise for God. Yes, it was physical healing. We see the physical healing. It says his feet and his ankles became strong. We see the physical healing, right? The legs that didn't work now work. He jumps up to his feet. He's jumping around. But notice this. 
it wasn't just physical healing. It was spiritual healing. This man was made new from the inside out. You say, Brother Jeff, how can you say that? Because this man went into the temple courts, right? A place where he was not welcome before. A place where he was looked down on before. This man is unclean. He can't come in here. Oh, this man's clean now, right? And he comes into the temple courts praising God. I love it. Doing something maybe that he hadn't had a chance to do before. Now he's doing it. I'm going to tell you what that is. That's a baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's what that is. Oh, he got healed physically, but better than that, this man's life changed forever. It changed for eternity. Why? Because at the name of Jesus, at the name of Jesus, he was healed. At the name of Jesus, he was forgiven and set free. I love this, right? And we see the powerful move of the Holy Spirit. And like I said, it wasn't just about this man, because guess what else happened? People saw this man and said, what in the world is he doing in here? And what in the world is he doing on his feet? What in the world? These people were filled with wonder and amazement, right? Now, don't miss this. Because earlier when Peter preached in Acts, guess what happened? He preached Jesus Christ, his life, his death, his resurrection. And the Bible said the people were amazed, right? They were filled with amazement. Some were confused, and some even said, it ain't real. Well, guess what? This public healing, oh, it was real. This man was now a testimony of the risen Savior, Jesus Christ, and what he can do and what he still does today. Watch what happens as we move forward. Because you know Peter, right? Peter's going to take advantage of a crowd, right? Kind of like me. You give me a crowd, I'm going to take advantage of that moment. Watch what Peter does. Verses 11 through 16. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? In other words, what's with all the amazement and the wonder? Why are you surprised? that God did something for this man. Why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? I'm going to tell you what Peter, I believe what Peter was doing. Peter was remembering he's the same guy that denied Jesus three times. He's the same guy that ran scared, right? Ran away to save his own life. I believe what Peter's saying is don't look at me like I'm perfect. Don't look at me and think, oh, my godliness did this to the man. Peter says, why do you stare at us as if by our own power of godliness we made this man walk? And here it is, the proclamation. Verse 13, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers has glorified who? His servant who? Jesus. Peter's making very sure the people don't miss this. This ain't me. This ain't John. This ain't even about this man. It's about Jesus. Don't you love that? I'm going to tell you, if preachers have a hard time understanding what to preach, this is where you need to go right here. You just preach Jesus. Just preach Jesus. You ain't got to put on a show. Just preach Jesus. Here's what he says. He says he has glorified his servant Jesus. And watch this, because he's going to remind them, because see, Peter was there. 
He was a witness of everything that happened. He said, you handed him over to be killed. And you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. And verse 15, you talk about resurrection. Here it is. You killed the author of life, but God. How many times do I tell you I love those two words? Right? Because man's going to do some stuff and they think, oh, we got it. We did it. We done it. You better remember two words, but God. He said, you killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. I'm going to tell you, everything Peter and John did on that day, and every word that he speaks, preaches, teaches, it's about this right here. God raised him from the dead. I don't preach a dead Lord in the grave. I preach a living Lord who sits at the right hand of the Father, who's still alive and still working today. That's what Peter says. And look at what he says. We are witnesses of this. Peter knows who he is. He knows whose he is, and he knows why he is. What did Jesus tell him? You will be my witness. So Peter ain't got no doubt who he is. He ain't got no doubt whose he is, and he ain't got no doubt why he is. He knows this ain't about me, and this ain't about nobody else but Jesus. So let's stay on point. By faith, he says, in the name of Jesus. This man who you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has, look at this, that has completely healed him. Don't miss that. That has completely healed him. As you all can see. This wasn't just physical healing. This was spiritual. This was complete healing. Inside out. I love this, right? This is the message. We've seen the miracle. Now, now Peter's going to take the miracle and he's going to move forward with the message. You see, this message is preached in whose name? The name of Jesus. That's the only name he calls out. Look at it again. It's no other name mentioned but Jesus. This is the message preached in the name of Jesus who is the resurrected Savior. Peter made the most of his opportunity to share the gospel. What is the gospel? God loves you. Even while you're a sinner, God loves you. And while you were still a sinner, God demonstrated his love for you in this. Jesus Christ died for you. Jesus Christ defeated sin and death for you. He rose from the grave so that you might have the opportunity to repent and believe. And when that happens, you become a child of God. And your eternity is secure. See, I believe this message that Peter is preaching right now, and he's going to keep preaching, this message points people to Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Peter was very bold. I love this, right? We already know Peter's bold. We also know he can trip up from time to time because he ain't perfect. But we know Peter's bold. And so he's looking around. I believe he's looking around. And I believe he understands the place he's in. And he says, let's talk about the why. Right? Peter told them, he reminded them that it was Jesus, the one they handed over to be killed. Right? Hey, you played a part in this. That's what he's saying. You had a hand in this. 
but God. Amen? Even with your ill intent, even in your ignorance, God had a plan all along. Because Peter says, God raised him from the dead. I believe at this time, this was the most important truth he could tell them. It was so important. God raised him from the dead, and let me tell you, I am a witness. We are witnesses. That's what Peter says. I have seen the Lord. I have seen him. It was through faith. That's what he said. It was through faith that this man was healed. It was through the living Lord, the resurrected Jesus, and it was complete healing. Mm. So Peter goes on, and I love this because after the message, he gives an invitation, right? He don't want them to just hear the truth. He wants them to respond to it. He wants them to know there's something you can do with what I'm telling you. Look at verse 17. He says, now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance as did your leaders, but, there it is, but this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that this Messiah would suffer. And the invitation, repent, repent then and turn to God, believe, so that your sins may be wiped out. I'm going to tell you, that's complete too. I I went to speak at a school and I was telling the students, you know, back when I was teaching, uh, I started out with chalkboards. Y'all remember that, some of you? I know some of you teachers do because some of you taught me. So I know you know what I'm talking about. We had chalkboards, right? And, and we would write on the board with chalk, but we had this big thing called an eraser. You remember that? An eraser. And, and you remember, we'd go up there, and we'd take that eraser, and we'd wipe out everything we wrote on the board. And after a while, we would go in, and we'd get a washcloth, right? Because sometimes that residue was still on the board, and that chalk was still on the board. So what we would do is we'd go get a washcloth, and we'd dip that washcloth, right, in the water. And then we'd take that washcloth... And then we'd go to work on that board. I used, to, I used to love that, right? I used to love because it looked brand new. Every time it looked brand new, right? It was wiped out. It was made to be brand new again. Listen to what he says. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. That times of refreshing may come from the Lord. And that he may send... The Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. This is the invitation. And this invitation, it is offered again in the name of Jesus The invitation is offered to them in the name of Jesus, the resurrected Savior. Listen, Peter knows that the healing of this man wasn't just for this man. Peter knows that this was the opportunity to glorify God and to point others to the glory of God. And the glory of God is Jesus. The glory of God is Jesus. And even though Jesus suffered, and even though Jesus died at the hands of his own people, God fulfilled his eternal plan. And in fulfilling his eternal plan, God still loved them. That's what Peter wanted them to know. 
He said, hey, listen, I've got a word for you. You who handed him over, you who had a hand in his killing, in his death, God still loves you. And God still wants you to know the truth. And God was offering them new life. He was offering them new life. Listen, he was offering them a chance to wipe away every sin, past, present, and even future. He was offering them a new life, a new beginning. But here's the thing, right? He didn't make them say yes. Listen, the invitation is to repent. The invitation is to repent. The invitation is to turn to God, to believe. But notice Peter didn't put his hands on people, right, and turn them. Peter didn't go get them and march them and line them up. No, Peter gave an invitation. The invitation had to be received. He was looking for a response because of what they had seen and what they had heard. And from the very beginning, I think about this. Do you you know why Peter was such a good preacher? Because he heard the greatest preacher who ever preached preach. Do you notice what he says? He says, repent and turn to God. In other words, repent and believe. Do you know that he heard that over and over and over again? Matter of fact, don't just take my word for it. Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. The very first words that Jesus spoke. The very first message that Jesus spoke. Do you know what he said? Anybody Anybody want to tell me? He said, repent and believe. Mark chapter 1. First sermon. Repent and believe. And look, Jesus kept on preaching that. Repent and believe. Repent and believe. Jesus was offering new life to anyone and everyone who would hear him. And Peter says that through repentance and belief, our sins are wiped out. He says times of refreshing may come. Now, I don't know about you, but I know that 95-degree weather's coming. You, don't you know that? Like, we, this is Louisiana, Okay? We know it's coming. It might be coming this week. I don't know about you, but yesterday felt good outside. That wind was blowing, and it was kind of overcast. I I like that 50-something degree weather right at 60. Right? It felt good outside. Don't you love those times of refreshment in your life? Have you ever worked so hard and got so thirsty that, like, you just couldn't find a drink fast enough? And then when you found it, you just, like, took your time with it and just like savored it. Have you ever been so hungry before, right? You've been so hungry before that you just couldn't get to the food fast enough and then when you ate it, you're just like, mmm, mmm, right? So when I think about refreshment, here's what I think about. I think about those mmm moments like, it just doesn't get any better. I'm gonna tell you that's what it's like. That's what it's like when you come face to face with Jesus and you say yes. That's what it's like when you come to Jesus and you know that you don't have to work. As a matter of fact, you can't work. You can't give enough to be satisfied. You know what? You don't have enough and you never will have enough to be right with God. But Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Right? And he who believes... Though he dies, will always what? Live. I'm going to tell you, that's refreshing. You know what's refreshing? 
is that it's not on me to save anybody. Because here's the truth, I can't. That's refreshing to me. God hasn't called me to save nobody because I can't. You know what God's called me to do? God's called me to just be his witness. Just tell the truth. Just tell the truth of his word. Just tell the truth that I've experienced in my own life and let the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit does. You, you, you know what God's called me to do? God's called me to preach and offer an invitation. That's what Peter's doing right here. The message that Peter, Peter preached that day after the crippled man was healed, I believe is just as true for us today. Look, some of us, we, we need a physical touch, right? We need physical healing from God. I believe that. But you know what we need more than that? We need hearts that are made right. We need hearts of stone exchanged for hearts of flesh. And only God can do that. Only God can do that. Why would I point you anywhere else or tell you about anything else? Why would I try to put on some kind of show, right, and get you to go ooh and ah? Why don't I just tell you about Jesus? And why don't I just trust the Holy Spirit to stir your heart and your mind? Take you from your awe and your wonder and your amazement to a response. Because here's the truth of the, the matter. You'll walk out of this place today and you won't remember half of the words I said. That's the truth. You won't, you won't remember every scripture, every verse that I quoted or every verse that I went to. You won't remember that. But you'll remember Jesus because I've said his name over and over again and I'm going to keep saying his name. You'll remember Jesus. And when you walk out of this door, it won't be my voice that keeps reminding you of the Jesus that you've heard about and the Jesus that you know about in the Bible. That's the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's going to keep reminding you of this Jesus who loves you. See, I believe this. Here's the gospel made very plain. Jesus lived perfectly. This is the gospel. Jesus lived perfectly. He never sinned. He never did anything wrong. Everything he said, everything he did was right. Jesus lived perfectly. Jesus died sacrificially. He died sacrificially. Understand this. Nobody made Jesus go to the cross. Jesus willingly laid down his life. He willingly laid down his life. Jesus went to the cross because he knew it was God's plan and he knew that redemption was at hand. Whose redemption? You. Me. Anyone who would hear and believe. Jesus died sacrificially. He didn't die on the cross because of his sin. He died on the cross because of our sin. What did Peter say? Hey, you handed him over. Hey, you had him killed. You're the one that cried, free Barabbas, the murderer, right? Free Barabbas. What should I do with this Jesus? Crucify him. Crucify him. Crucify him. That's not my words, by the way. Go back and look at the Gospels. Peter reminded them, this is, this is you. But what did Peter say? Oh, but God. Right? But God, his plan all along was for the Messiah to suffer and die. And then God raised him from the dead. Why? So that you and I might be forgiven and free. 
Jesus lived perfectly, he died sacrificially, and he rose victoriously. Death could not hold him. You want to know why? Because Jesus already told us. Jesus said, I am life. (laughs) Where in the Bible does Jesus say, I am death? Nowhere. All Jesus ever says is, I am life. That's why death couldn't hold him. Because he is life. God raised him from the grave. So that you and I might know that everything Jesus said and everything Jesus did is absolutely truth because Jesus is truth. That's why David wrote in the Psalms, I know one day I'm going to be dead and put in a grave and I know my bones are going to be there, my my body's going to decay and ashes are going to lay in that grave. But David said in the Psalms, Jesus, oh, he's going to be put in the grave. The Messiah is going to be put in the grave, but he ain't going to be there. No bones and no ashes in that grave. And here's what David said. David said, because Jesus rises, I will rise too. David knew that. See, Peter goes on. I'm not going to finish this chapter, but Peter goes on and talks about the prophets and the ones who spoke about the Messiah. He talks about Moses. And what did Moses say? Moses said, oh, yeah, I'm a prophet, but there's a greater prophet coming. And there's a prophet coming that only he can do and say what he does and says. Even Moses said, you better, you better listen to this prophet because he is the prophet. The prophet. So Jesus lived perfectly. He died sacrificially. He rose victoriously. And I hope today you can say this. Jesus is my living hope. He is my living hope. We sang that song earlier. I had no idea that God laid that song on Brother Andy's heart, the praise team's heart. I had no idea they were singing that song. And my last words, Jesus is my living hope. Because I know that Jesus is alive. I know that he has set me free. I know who I am, whose I am, why I am. I don't need anybody else to tell me that or pat me on the back about that. I know, and I know this, that one day this body might just be put in a grave. But I know because my Savior lives, I will live as well. And I know that one day he's coming back. That's what Peter just preached right at the tail end of this passage. He said, oh, he's coming back, even Jesus. Right? And what is he going to do? He's going to restore everything. In other words, I'm going to rise up. If I die and I'm put in a grave, I'm coming out of that grave because Jesus said I was. And Jesus showed me I was. I'm going to come up out of that grave and I'm going to be given a glorified body and I'm going to see Jesus face to face and I'm going to know him and he's going to know me and I'm going to live forever with him in eternity. Let me tell you why. Because I said yes. Thank you. Amen. Let me tell you why. It's because I said yes to Jesus Christ. I didn't do, listen, my mama didn't make me do that. My daddy didn't make me do that. Brother Mickey Hawkins didn't make me do that when he offered the invitation. I said yes to Jesus because I believe in Jesus. Nobody can make you. It's a decision you have to make. And when the Holy Spirit of God stirs your heart and your mind and you're ready, you're going to have an opportunity. You're either going to say, yes, he is my living hope. Or you're going to say, no, not today. Maybe later. I'm going to tell you, I bet there was a bunch of people that day that said maybe later. And later never came. Later never came. Here's what I want you to know. God loves you. God loves you so much that he gave his one and only son. 
that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have what? Everlasting life, eternal life. All you got to do is say yes to Jesus. If you've not said yes to Jesus, my prayer is that the Holy Spirit of God would stir you and the Holy Spirit of God would speak to you and lead you to that moment where you can say yes to Jesus. It's not about my time. It's his time. But I pray, I, I pray that it's before your time comes to an end. Because once your time comes to an end, there is no more invitation. Do you hear me? Once you, once you breathe your final breath, there is no more invitation. That's it. It's over. And whatever decision you made, yes or no, that's the final answer. My prayer is that your final answer is yes. Yes. Jesus, you are my living hope.